This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. People can go over and under a fence, but you can't take 100 kilos of cocaine over and under a fence. And what you do when you have limited places where fences are in populated areas, you force these drug dealers and others around, making it easier to apprehend because there's fewer places to come through. Ah, Joe Biden, man who used to be for border. <laughs> Hot diggity dog. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is September 21st, 2022. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe if you have not. And as some of you who are playing at home know I am actually in Los Angeles right now. This is a pre-tape from yesterday, but we're playing it live today uh, because I'm in LA. I'm doing Bill Maher's Club Random podcast tonight, which obviously will be interesting one way or another. I'm doing some stuff with PragerU uh, and I'm joining uh, Brian Callen over on his podcast. And then tomorrow, Thursday, I will be dinging the bell at NASDAQ for Rumble and we will be live streaming at 10 a.m. Uh, for today, though, we're going to talk a little bit about Don Lemon, who just got smacked around like you would not believe. It's so perfect. Chef's kiss. Mwah! Just wonderful. And then we're going to do a RubenReport.Locals.com community Q&A. Before I get to that, let me talk, about, talk to you about real estate agents I trust. Uh, you guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Usually our homes are our biggest investment, which is a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously, which is why I recommend Real Estate Agents I Trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before, enjoy, uh, before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction, follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. And of course, they only work with agents who have long track records and are the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience. They share your values and they're almost anywhere you want to go. Just go over to realestateagentsitrust.com and provide them with some basic info. Their team will contact you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town. You leave your blue state, you move to a red state, you live happily ever after. Okay, here we go. Here is Don Lemon, recently demoted Don Lemon. This clip is going bananas viral. Uh, he was covering the funeral of uh, Queen Elizabeth and he asked royal commentator Hillary Fordwich a question about reparations. This is really rather extraordinary. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism. And they're wondering, you know, one hundred billion dollars, twenty four billion dollars here and there, five hundred million there. Some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are you know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns. 
Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, In Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll continue to, to discuss in the future. We all burst out laughing at the, at the exact same time there. I mean, it's an interesting discussion. He has just nothing, nothing to say because what he wants is Britain to be bad, the United States to be bad. He wants simple answers, white people bad, blah, blah, blah. But it almost felt, didn't that feel like it was a complete setup by CNN on Don Lemon? Like they gave him the crappier job in the morning. He's now working at night because they're, they're the special uh, the special event of the funeral. Um, but like they just want to embarrass him at this point that he asks, there's just no point in asking that question right now uh, as they're burying their queen. And the answer is so clean and clear. And we abolish slavery first. African kings rounding up their own people. I mean, that was actually, my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Every now and again, there is a reason to watch cable news. And it is basically to watch Don Lamont get his head clocked. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Let me just say something broadly on reparations, which I haven't talked about much on the show, a little bit here and there. I am completely against reparations. There is some argument to be made about reparations for the people that the incident happened to. It was your, you and your family who directly were the victims of an attempted genocide, let's say, or slavery or whatever it might be. You were kicked out of your house. Your community was destroyed, something like that. Generations later, there's simply nothing that can be done. And it's funny because as Lemon lays it out, you know, some people want $100 billion and then he says 24 billion or 500 million. And the thing is, There is no number that will be good enough. You could literally say, we will allocate $2 trillion for reparations of all kinds, British slavery, American slavery, Holocaust, this, that, the other thing. You could say $2 trillion, everyone will get the exact same amount. It will still not stop because it will never be enough for a certain set of people. People will always want more. A certain set of people will turn on the people that took it and said, you're the sellout because you take cash in the name of our dead relatives or whatever it might be. Our, our relatives who were enslaved. Uh, it's just a terribly bad idea. The world owes you nothing. Go out and get yours. It's as simple as that. I mean, if we were to give out reparations, would, would the average uh, farmer's tax dollars be going to give Don Lemon, who is a millionaire, money? Like, does that make any sense? I don't think so. Okay, let's move on to the Rubin Report Locals Community Q&A. Big Poppy says, if you had to predict now before your Mar interview, what clip take will go viral? What would it be? 
Well, I really don't have any idea because I don't know exactly how much Bill Maher knows about me. I know he knows of me. I mean, they invited me to do the show, so I know there's something there. Um, you know, I, I've met him a couple times at parties very briefly. I don't think he has any recollection of that. I actually interned, I think in 1999 or in 2000, they did Politically Incorrect, which was his show before Real Time. They did a week worth of shows on the mafia. Uh, this was around Sopranos time. So a week worth of shows around the mafia in Brooklyn. And I was a, uh, I was a PA on the show. I was about to do warm up, and then something happened. I got, I got pulled out on that. But um, what clip will go viral? Look, it depends how political we get. Uh, and the producers have told me that the, the feeling of that show, of the podcast, is much more personal, that he's going to want to know about me and being married and a new father and some of the other things I'm interested in and really get to know me, uh, maybe not just all the political stuff, you know, beating each other over the head. But if I am able to discuss one thing with him on the political side, it, it'll, it'll sort of be like, okay, I get it that you've been red-pilled to a degree, but I know that you have this sort of, um, this force field about, around conservatism or something because of Trump or climate change or something. So it's like, is DeSantis good enough for you then if you're anti-woke and anti-gender and anti-anti-racist and everything else? So we'll hopefully get into it as much as possible. But as I said on the show yesterday, truly what I would hope more than anything else is we can just build some bridges here and it can be the beginning of a conversation. Imagine if every couple of weeks, even if we aren't in the same spot, ultimately, we're able to talk it out respectfully. That would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Kat says, uh, stuck in a food rut, what is a favorite quick meal that David has made for you but is kid-friendly? Well, first I'll tell you, I've been knocking out a serious meat sauce lately. Let that thing uh, sit for about five or six hours on, on Sundays usually. Mm, just perfect. Uh, a quick favorite meal that David has made for you that, well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I don't know as a father, it's, uh, I'm too proud to admit that every now and again, David does make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm not above the peanut butter and the jelly. But I will tell you one thing about peanut butter. I can't deal with the peanut butter with the goo and the slime up top and then all the good stuff down below and you got to mix it and it's never ending mixing. It's always dripping all over the place. You get it on you, you get it on your shirt. It's no good. I like a peanut butter that has been, I don't know if that's pasteurized or homogenized, but I like a creamy, regular peanut butter. Megan says, what do you feel will be the biggest next thing to fundamentally change our future? Digital currency, energy crisis, food crisis. What can and should we prepare for? Well, it does seem like they're gonna push this climate crisis on us. That COVID was really a test for what the people will accept. And a certain amount of people kind of like lockdowns. A certain amount of people kind of like getting injected with stuff. A certain amount of people like wearing masks. Like they could just make us all feel crazy again. The sun's rays are now 2% stronger than they used to be and blah, 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 blah. And then they'll get all the experts on. And then if you say, actually, I do want to walk outside every now and again, and I would like some sunshine, they'll, you're a right-wing maniac racist. Like the, the plot, is already all in front of us. So I don't know what it's gonna be. I think the digital currency thing is super dangerous if it's centralized, obviously, which is why decentralized, you know, Bitcoin is so important. Uh, that's one thing. I think that it, obviously the environment is where they're gonna really go. Um, but it's like, they could pull off anything like a grid going down. So then there's energy crisis, you know, that sort of thing. You know, get the war to be hot again in you. You know, Ukraine. It's like you know, right now it, there's these like stories. I don't even talk about them on the show because it all feels impossible to really understand what's going on. But they're kind of like Ukraine's winning. It's like, well, okay, well, but Russia's not going to lose because they have nukes. So where do you think this thing's going to end up? So there's a whole bunch out there. Anyway, get a little water. <laughs> 
have a little water, have, have a, a solar charger for your phone. Freedom Lover says, hey Dave, what are you planning on doing for the high holidays this year? Fly Dennis Prager in, uh, Zoom his services, or have you found someplace local, healthy, happy, and prosperous new year to you and your entire family? Thank you, Shana Tova to you as well. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is the, the Jewish new year, uh, which is next week. So we're not gonna have live shows on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, which I haven't done in the last couple of years. And I've gone to services in LA that Dennis Prager holds. Uh, this year we have found a, a community. We're gonna go uh, first uh, and have a nice meal over at my sister's, who's gonna do some cooking. And she just had her third baby, but we're gonna get all the kids together and see what happens. And then I'll try to zoom in on, on Dennis's services, which I think they do put out on Zoom. I, I've mentioned many times that these services that Dennis holds, where he gets, I mean, it's a huge crowd, probably five or 600 people. He makes it purely apolitical, which is obviously great. Uh, although by me being there and then Dennis being there afterwards, you know, people are kind of congregating in the, in the parking lot trying to, trying to talk politics. Last year, everyone was trying to talk recall election and what's gonna happen. Um, but uh, he has definitely helped me connect to that part of my, my history and my family and all of that stuff. And that's just great. So I hope that whatever you're doing, you'll do it with an apple and some honey as well. Uh, Ellen says, how do we convince our woke gay son that we are not the faces of evil? Ugh. 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 It, it, it's not easy. I don't have to tell you that, Ellen. Um, look, you know, unfortunately the gays in some way as a community, and I don't like community, and I think LGBT, none of that makes any sense. I have nothing to do I, or no more in common with a trans person than a, than a straight person does, right? It's a completely different thing. Um, but for young people especially, they've combined somehow gay, which once was irreverent and cool and outside of the box. And that's why so much music and art and culture came out of the gay scene. And it had its problems too, right? You take a whole bunch of people, you don't let them get in lasting relationships. Then you're gonna have a whole bunch of drugs and you're gonna have a bunch of STDs and all of that stuff. Then you get equality and it's like, time to move on guys like that. I thought that's what we were fighting for. Um, so I don't know exactly what you do. I guess maybe you could try to show them this show or something else about me or me talking about this sort of thing and maybe that'll get them to wake up a little bit. Um, but I have major, major sympathy for you. I can say it as a, as a, as a new father, especially I suppose, that you know one day your kid could turn to you and be like, you're evil because you don't believe what I believe or you're a bigot or, or you should have done this, that, the other thing. I can't imagine what that's like. I have a lot of sympathy. Um, but I guess if you just keep trying to be a, a good person, hey, I want you to find someone in life to be happy with. I hope you have a family or whatever you want. And you just keep trying. I guess that's, that's the best you could do. Will says, when are you gonna get an AR-15? I don't know when I'm gonna get an AR-15, but a couple weeks ago, we took the whole team shooting and I did shoot an AR-15 and an AK-47. I like them. I like them a lot. And we're gonna keep doing that sort of thing. Mia says, I am volunteering for the Republican Party of New Mexico, knocking on doors and passing out palm cards and yard signs. What are the top three conservative points I should focus on making when speaking with Democrats? You always articulate my thoughts for me so well. I'm having trouble coming up with something concise and perfect. You know, I, I won't give you three here, but I'll give you the, the bullet one, which is if you're meeting somebody that is a new Democrat or, or they're, they're a Democrat, but you think maybe they're on the fence or you think you can convince them, just say something like this. You don't have to attack them. Like, don't make it about abortion. Don't make it about something that's gonna like right off the bat, we're all gonna go crazy, right? How about, do you feel the government did a good job over the last couple of years? Do you feel that the systems that we were supposed to trust were worthy of being trusted? Do you think that the people who either locked us down or put us in masks or made us, 
get injections while at the same time telling us our body, our choice when it came to other issues. Do you think that any of this made sense? So the basic argument would be, how about just less resources and money and attention to those people? And if you kind of think that's right, well, the Republicans maybe aren't great. Some of them are pretty good. Maybe they're not great. And I don't know enough about internal New Mexican politics, but I bet you they're better than the Democrats. I bet you they want lower taxes than the Democrats. I bet you they're more police uh, more for police and law and order than the Democrats. The basic stuff. And if you do that in a way that just, how about your life? Would you like more money in your pocket or less? Do you want more government involvement in business or less? Do you think the government after two years of COVID is really great when it comes to health insurance or not? And I think if you do sort of like really think about it from your perspective, I think that's probably the best way to get them. Uh, Blue says, we know Dave loves good tequila. Do you have a favorite margarita recipe that you can share? I mean, off the top of my head, the, the third, third, third is probably the easiest way to go. You do a third tequila, a third lime juice, and a third orange juice. It's like the simplest one, do that on the rocks, uh, and, and you're basically good to go. Uh, some people say a third lime juice is a bit much, a little too tart, so you can mess with it. I'd maybe up the tequila down the orange juice, frankly, and I like something a little tart. I like the uh, citrus there, and, uh, and enjoy yourself. Wayne says, do you think Elon is ever going to buy Twitter? I don't know. And in a weird way, I don't care at this point, honestly. I, I know that kind of sucks. And I spent a lot of time talking about it. It's a little hard to figure out what's what <laughs> and, and where that whole thing is going. But I know that huge amounts of Twitter accounts are fake. I know the conversation there is completely butchered. I don't know that he can fix it. I, don't, I think it may be beyond repair. And I think maybe we have to let it fail. And you know what? Then you build new things, which is exactly why uh, tomorrow I will be dinging the bell as Rumble slash locals go public because we have to build better things instead of relying on these old things that were designed really to abuse us, not to make us more social or anything else. Uh, Amy says, what are you most looking forward to or what are you hoping to achieve during your time with Bill Maher? Well, I sort of answered that already. What I, really the best takeaway is not gonna be some sort of knockout punch and he's gonna be like, I love Republicans. It's just not gonna happen. And I don't even know that that's what I would wanna do. The best takeaway is that there is a mutual respect there after an hour and a half and that we say, okay, how about we continue this conversation? Bill, you come on my show every couple weeks, every other month, whatever it is, we talk about what's going on. I'll, I'll go on your show or I'll go on real time. Uh, they've canceled me a couple of times, but I'll, I'll do that and then, it's like, let's see if, because the point ultimately is, if Bill Maher and Dave Rubin, two guys that, let's say we were old school liberals 10 years ago, the whole left went woke, okay, now we've shifted a little bit. But if we can't get to that common ground, then the country really doesn't have a chance because we have way more in common than we have apart. And if I'm just a little bit ahead of him on that red pill adventure, or maybe he uh, thinks that I have a blind spot when it comes to something like, we should be able to do that. So if we can do that, then something good will have come out of it. Uh, Seven says, if the USA became a monarchy, who would you want to be king or queen? Well, how about uh, if I could reincarnate somebody, you give me uh, Johnny Carson as king. You know what I mean? Like a little Johnny Carson as king. Everybody loved Johnny Carson. He wasn't crazy political. That's what you need out of a king. Somebody that everyone just kind of likes. He's funny, he's pleasant. I did not know that. Weird, wild stuff. That would be good. Maybe Lucille Ball as queen. Nick says, uh, you've talked to Jordan Peterson about how you no longer believe that you are the exception to the rule of needing to become a father in order to live a fully actualized life. Do you think that the energetic 
king of late night just might be that exception? That's a great question on, on a couple fronts. So you're referring to Greg Gutfeld, who, uh, who does not have kids. Uh, you guys know my feelings on this. I, I was on tour with Jordan and he kept repeatedly talking about the importance for most people, not everybody, to live that fully actualized life, to have a child, that it is just part of the human experience. It is so fundamentally part of it that pretty much everyone needs it. And he would make a point, not everybody. I actually think to some degree, I was close. I was really probably an edge case on this in terms of my life has been great the last couple of years. I've been in a great relationship. I meet great people. I do great things. I wake up every day with purpose for work and I love what I'm doing and I think I'm making a difference and people respond well to me and it's given me a good life and all of those things. So I was, I think as close maybe as I could get to it, but I think perhaps something was missing in there. And I think I see it every morning when I grab Justin out of his, out of his little bed and we take our walk in the morning and all that. Um, as for Gutfeld, I can't speak to him, uh, speak for him specifically on this, but Gutfeld, all the things that I just described about myself, I think he's feeling for himself. Um, I don't know all the, the personal side of that, so um, I can discuss it with him and maybe get back. But I think Gutfeld, he's a happy dude. He loves what he's doing. He's fun. He's a great guy too. Gutfeld, when I hang out with him after the show, it's like same exact thing, same guy, just... Uh, well, usually with a couple of drinks, but same guy. Uh, okay, let me do this real quick because I got to get on this plane. Stacy says, Dave, who do you think really controls the White House teleprompter scripts, a team of consensus or one particular driving force? It's the million dollar question. Who is running the show? Who's typing the words that the old guy reads poorly? I do not know. And uh, I, it's got to be some kind of Obama related something or other. Let's not forget Obama. What did he say in that 60 Minutes interview a couple of years ago? What would be his dream? to basically have a puppet that he could be talking to through his ear. So, uh, Sudo says, do you know if the Rumble leadership on the public investment side of things has discussed how to avoid the influence of ESG or woke investors? Well, hopefully I can talk about this a little bit more over the next couple of weeks as more and more things are announced with Rumble. But what I can tell you for sure is that everyone that I have been around at Rumble, from Chris, the CEO up top, to all of the other executive team, and Dan Bongino and me and everybody else. Like, I don't think a company has ever gone public with this many people fully for free expression, fully to defend free speech and be a neutral platform and deal with the headaches that come with that. So um, I think there's a real chance here. That's, that's just what I believe. Um, I don't think there's a perfect system, but I know we, there has never been a company, as far as I know, that has gone public with such a group of people who have dedicated themselves to fighting the machine, fighting big tech, and building a better internet, which is the thing that we've all freaking wanted this entire time. All right, one more for you today, and then we're going to Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles right now. God, it's weird. Uh, Terry says, what interview have you enjoyed the most this year? Um, well, it's a little bit of reverse, but I, I loved coming back with Larry Elder just a couple of weeks ago. First off, it was the first thing that we did in our uh, local studio. It was great to see Larry. It was good to be back. Nothing shocked me that much. Um, I love Larry. I think we've just such a great thing going together. And he's just so, he's just an absolute pro. Like, wasn't he just great at it? Like laying out the ideas, not giving too much of his opinion in them so that I could respond to them properly. Uh, just great. And I'll throw in one more because I just did it and I think it'll be up uh, later today. Oh no, part one is already up actually, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, South Carolina uh, Senator Tim Scott, who's just a good dude. Like one of these people, you're like, what are you doing in politics, man? You're just a good, decent human being. 
Uh, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with him. So there you go. All right. I am in LA right now. I'm sending, I'm talking to you from the future or something like that. Uh, but tomorrow, Thursday, remember the live stream will be at 10 a.m. from NASDAQ floor. And if you can get to a TV or wherever they live stream this sort of stuff, I'm dinging the bell for Rumble at 9.30 a.m. Uh, with the executive team over there. Super excited about it. Uh, if you want to play along at home, rubenreport.locals.com. As I said, part one of that interview with Tim Scott is up across platforms right now. And we leave you with a cold close. Our children, our children, their children. So our children, our children, our children. Children, little children, about the children. The children, the children, the children. So I always think about the children. Our children, our children, our children. Our children, our children, their children. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.